What are we discussing on today's podcast, you ask? Well, Javier Reyes and I are going to do another draft because we love doing those when we cross over, drafting the best MLB trade deadline deals that will have the biggest impact the rest of the season. We'll recap the series against the San Francisco Giants tomorrow because I don't even want to discuss another frustrating loss right now. So we'll discuss it all on tomorrow's podcast. Crossover with Javier Reyes. Let's get into it. You are locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24, portfolio.com. I'm there to see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account. Or just look up Locked on Dimebacks, both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing doing all that so i could do this podcast for you thank you it's free and available on all platforms so please continue to tell your friends and one of those platforms is youtube so please hit subscribe on the lock on diamondbacks youtube channel and today's episode is brought to you by sleeper swing for the fences on sleeper picks you can win up to a hundred times your money Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. But now, without further ado, to discuss the best trade deadline deals from 2023, we got to bring on the man of the hour, Javier Reyes of Lock on Padres. Sir, how are you doing today? I am doing pretty good, man. I've got my my little uh, just it's a little chilly in my recording room that I you know oh. record my show. So oh. a little chilly. So I've got like a little you know uh, blanket over me and whatnot. If people are wondering, but otherwise, um, doing good, man. Uh, doing pretty good. Hanging in there, trying to stay focused. Mm. We're at that weird post deadline. Uh, I don't know about you, but you get into that feeling of like, all right, let's just cut to the chase. Who are the playoff teams going to be? Start losing a little focus. August is one of my least favorite months, if not the least favorite month of mine. But, you know, you got to persevere, man. Just like in baseball, you know, no matter what time it is, still got it's a it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. So just got to keep going. It's a 162 game slog and your team quietly only a few games back, four games back. This trade deadline made some moves. I mean, I don't know how you felt. Were you surprised at all? Because personally, I mean, I was I, I don't check the standings every day for where the Padres are. So I was like, oh, the Padres. I mean, maybe I shouldn't be surprised that A.J. Preller is getting yeah. a little aggressive at the deadline. But I was like, oh, Padres, they are committed to not being sellers. They're going to keep the haters and Blake Snell's actually add to this team. I was a little taken aback just because I didn't think the Padres were going to be buyers at the deadline, I guess, even though I should have maybe expected that. Yeah, and I talked about this on on my show as well, where I actually think that they had a really solid deadline because, well, yeah, they were buyers. They weren't like crazy, super aggressive, like especially with what we're used to. Yeah, And I think that's – I was surprised by how much they did basically exactly what I wanted. Shirt up the bench, got an okay reliever, 
didn't give up too many crazy prospects. Just kind of called it a day. Whether or not you think they should have traded Hader and Snell is, I think, a separate discussion um, to a degree. But, hey, I thought that they did, they did uh, pretty good. And maybe I'll be uh, bringing up some of the moves that they made uh, in this little draft of ours, man. I'm excited. Yeah, because they just kind of cleaned up on the edges. There was no Juan Soto-level deal this year for the Padres, but they were still able to clean up on the edges a little bit. And yeah, maybe we'll draft one of those trades that the Padres made because, of course, today we're doing another draft as we do every week. We're going to draft the deals that we think will have the biggest impact or the deals that we think were the most fun because I definitely have a couple of trades that were fun at the top of my list. And we're going to be... Going back and forth, as always. I don't think we're doing a snake draft here today, so no double picks at the turn. And as always, Javi, I came prepared today. I got the quarter for the listeners. He's got the corner Already in hand, He's already got it. Here we go. Here we go. Let's make sure I don't drop it. Let's make Oh, caught it at the... Oh, look how I caught that thing. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Okay, what is that? That's tails right there for the fans. Only issue... Okay, your tails, because I guess I... I I in fairness, ask. I've always picked tails. Yeah, I know you did. It's but in fairness, I do always pick tails. That has uh, always been my thing. Maybe I want a tail. I, yeah, <laughs> you want the tails today. Okay. You've been getting the first pick for the last the last like five drafts we've done, and it wasn't rigged at all. I promise y'all. I re- I really flipped it and did that with full integrity in the past. But all right, Javi, how are you going to start us off in this draft to trade the uh, to draft the best trade deadline deals from this year? Um, it's funny because I actually think that there are criticisms with this move. Um, it is, it's, it's the obvious one to go with for first overall. It's the most impactful, like player in a vacuum, but I I just, you know, it's not foolproof, uh, for a first overall pick, but I'm going to do it anyway, because I think that it's the thing that everyone's going to be talking about. Like you said, there was no Juan Soto deals this year, Mm. but, um, I'm going to go with Justin Verlander. The Astros acquiring Justin Verlander from the Mets. Uh, It sounded like it was likely. It became even more likely the more that the Mets started selling off, you know, with the David Robertson deal and Max Scherzer, of course, which you might talk about as well. Um, And he's been pretty okay this year. 3.15 ERA, 3.81 FIP. He's been pretty good. Uh, Not striking out as many batters as usual, but... And this is more of a move to just sure up that Astros team. And personally, I find it a little bit adorable that we all do our best to pretend that the Astros aren't just going to go to the world series again for (laughs) for like the ninth year in a row. We do this every year. We're like, it's kind of like when people used to bet against the Patriots, you know what I mean? It'd just be like, guys, the Patriots are going to go to the super bowl. I don't know if they'll win, but they'll go to the super bowl. Like let's, it's not that deep. Oh, the Orioles and the rip. No, no. It's just going to be the Astros again. That's what always seems to happen. And this trade felt like that. It felt like impending the doom. We can't escape it. Uh, so I'm going to go with that deal. And I also thought that like the Mets made out pretty good on this deal. Everybody's been saying they're, they're buying a farm system. <laughs> hey, there's worse sure. things you can do. Uh, so at least they're kind of recognizing their losses and starting to regroup. And I know that it stinks. I'm sad for Mets fans very much, but that's why I'm taking it because I think it's big for the Astros, uh, particularly in the regular season. Justin Verlander, low key, not always the best numbers in the postseason as a pitcher. Mm. Low key, low key, not the best there. But in terms of just helping them win that AL West uh, and just being a, giving them another pitcher, I think it was great for them. It's the biggest move. 
Yeah, especially if you look at Justin Verlander's uh, World Series splits, that's where it gets really hairy for Justin Verlander in that uh, yeah. final series of the postseason. But yeah, in terms of in a vacuum, which player, who's the most talented, who's the biggest name that got moved at this deadline? I do think Justin Verlander, that trade to the Astros, the reunited, like why did he even have to leave if you were just going to bring him back? Like you should have just paid him Houston Astros. And now you got to give up a top prospect as well. And for the Mets, I mean, I like what they're doing because it's not like this is some small market team that doesn't want to spend money like they're going to trade these players away and then they're going to go into the offseason and probably spend another half billion dollars on some new players like I, I don't even know when you have Stephen Cohen you're not afraid to open up the wallet so I'm not upset at the Mets for trading off some pending free agents or trading off some really old expensive contracts in order to go free up some money to go spend it again next offseason so I think it's pretty smart for um the New York Mets but yeah I'm glad what are you going to say? I was just going to say, and to to back up your thing on Verlander in the World Series, I did not realize how bad it was. Yeah. World, the first World Series he was in was 06, 5.73 ERA. The next one that he was in, which was 2012, 11.25 ERA. The next one after that was 2017, 3.75. So he was good that year with Houston. And then the next one uh, in 2019, 5.73. And then last year, 5.4. So like, it's bad. It's it's yeah. worth it's worth bringing up when you do your hierarchy of all time pitchers. Uh, in terms of like, if does it exclude him from Hall of Fame? Obviously not. But in terms of like hierarchy and who do you want to take, who do you want on the mound, those type of discussions that we don't always have in baseball. Yeah, that affects him a lot. But go ahead, man, make your pick and and tell me why my pick is terrible with this next one you're gonna do because you, you always do that. To. You know I have to, Avi, <laughs> because I agree in a vacuum, like I just said, biggest impact player on the market was a Justin Verlander. He was moved, or at least the guy that was the biggest impact that was moved with Justin Verlander. But mm. the trade that happened that will not only affect the rest of this season, but could change baseball history, Javier Reyes. Because at first when I was doing my rankings, I did put the Justin Verlander move number one, but then I had to double check. I was like, oh my God, there was a trade that happened just a few days before the deadline, July 26th, that shook the earth just a little bit that's actually could change the way we view baseball history going forward could be the biggest pivot point we've ever seen because the la angels said we're keeping shohei otani and we're going to right. double down on this season and they went out and they got lucas giolito now that's right. not just huge for this season because the they're still kind of mm -hmm. in the wild card mix maybe they make the postseason but this is an all in play to keep the greatest player of all time so if this move does work out the angels make the postseason maybe they only make it to the divisional series or maybe they get swept in the championship series but if you at least put a good foot forward so you show Shohei Otani you're trying to build a winning product you hit the offseason you offer him 600 million dollars this could be the move that at least helps put you in the right direction in terms of contract talks with a Shohei Otani so if the Angels re-sign him this offseason, you could look at a move like this, the Angels deciding not to trade away Otani, but instead doubling down on this season. If you end up keeping the greatest baseball player of all time, how can this move not be considered number one in this draft that we're doing right now, Javier Reyes? I mean, honestly, that was, first of all, an incredible spin zone by you, yeah, as always. Thank you. As always. Uh, <laughs> but I, I actually, I think you made some great points. On top of the Giolito thing, the changing baseball history, like... Not too long ago, everyone was expecting the Angels to sell, and they, in my opinion, they should have. But, like, I'm also totally on board with them saying, you know what, we have Otani, let's try. Um, and you're right, like, if they had traded him to a team, like that team, potentially with a player like him, the best rental ever, right? Like, in the history yeah. of the sport that we've basically ever had because of, I mean, he's Shohei Otani. Um, so that might have, like, affected whoever got him. 
And it also is going to affect the angels in terms of their future. And are they still going to lose him? Right. Will he leave anyway? So I think you're right. I think that's a, I I'm still confident in Verlander as my pick, but yeah, I think that you, for all the reasons you mentioned, I think that that's a really great point for not just for them acquiring Giolito, but for everybody else, not acquiring Otani, I think is a really a great point. Yeah, it's a trade people are going to analyze once they get that 2020 hindsight because they're going to be like, okay, you made the playoffs and then you re-signed Otani. It's the greatest <laughs> trade ever. But if you do yeah. the trade, you miss the playoffs and then Otani leaves, you're going to be like, all-time disaster by the Angels. Fire everyone <laughs> in the front office. They have no idea what they're doing. So once we see the results post-free agency with Otani, then now really let us know um, how good this trade actually was. But Javier Reyes, back to you. Number two pick for you in this draft. Oof, this is fun. Uh, this is fun. I think that for my next pick, I'm going to go with because uh, I I kind of want to take a meme. I'm okay. tempted. I'm tempted Love to take that. a meme. I'm not going to do it with my second pick, though. I'm going to do it with my third pick. I think my second pick, uh, I think I'm going to go with a, a move that might not end up mattering. Um, I'm looking at it more in a vacuum and just looking at what the team needed and the fact that they had one of the worst qualified players in the game. Um, at their position and that's the Marlins acquiring Josh Bell okay. uh, former Padre of course as people know and they also trade away Gene Segura who they then the Cleveland Guardians then dropped uh, into into waivers uh, this is this is partially about Josh Bell he is a player that if you look at his savant suggests that he's been getting a little bit unlucky this year I don't know how to feel about that because he was also bad with the Padres so yeah. it's kind of hard to be like maybe this is just who he is but like Gene Segura, man, negative 0.3 F4 this year, 95 WRC plus. He's not very good at third base. He doesn't have the speed. And you replace that with Josh Bell, who at least has some upside. I like it for them um, because they got rid of Segura and they acquired Josh Bell. Um, I think it would be really cool. Um, forget my team for a second. I think it'd be fun if the Marlins did well. Uh, I like that team. I like a rise. Uh, but, you know, I, I just think that's a really solid move that boosted them a little bit without giving up too much. Uh, in my opinion. And I know that they made some other moves at the deadline, but I thought they, they did okay with this one. Josh Bell just completely cratered after getting fall. He got yeah. the Padre stink on him, man. <laughs> he got the Padre stink on him. And we don't know if he's ever coming back. I guess we'll see. Yeah, I don't mind this move at all by the Marlins. I think I might have liked the trade that they made for another position play a little bit more. But Josh Bell, I mean, for his career, like he's kind of been up and down, but he's shown you some really high highs throughout his career. He's been an all-star Mm -hmm. Granted, it was 2019, but he's a guy you look at some of his home run totals, 26, 37, 27. And the Marlins are a team that we've said coming into this year where they're going to have one of the best rotations in baseball. The only issue, can they get enough offense? Well, they traded for a guy that, you know, three months into the season, four months in, is still batting like 390 on the year. And the Luis Arise, they have, if Josh Chisholm can ever stay healthy, they have at least two really solid players. They got some other dudes as well. Um, I know they just traded Garrett Cooper to the San Diego Padres, but you add a Josh Bell, you add some of those other players, and maybe you just get enough to have slightly above average league offense with the pitching staff that the Marlins already have in place. I really appreciate this move of the Marlins to go after and just get a solid major leaguer. They didn't make any big splashes on this uh, deadline, but we're going to talk about which teams 
won the deadline, I think the Marlins are going to be one of the teams at the top of our list for that. But before I make my pick, Javier Reyes, because we're going to continue the draft in just a second. Don't worry, I'm not coming with any harsh analysis on Javier Reyes. <laughs> I want to just tell our listeners about this little app that we use to get us through the fantasy season called Sleeper, because Sleeper is a great app if you want to win some money or if you want to play fantasy sports or daily fantasy, because it can do all of it for you. And right now, if you do want to do daily fantasy on Sleeper, you can win a hundred times your money because all you have to do is pick a player or two. I like to go a little Corbin Carroll, a little Shohei Otani, and pick them to hit a home run. Sometimes it hits, sometimes it doesn't, but when it does, you can win big. And right now, it seems like everyone is on the Sleeper app because they have over 5 million active users. Sleeper has become the fastest organically growing fantasy platform in the world. And I don't just use it for daily fantasy. Best believe when fantasy football season rolls around, I'm also using my Sleeper app because my Dynasty League is on that app and it's perfect. You could do your rookie draft. It archives all your players year to year. It's really the perfect app for Dynasty and daily fantasy all combined into one. So use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Now we are back here on the Locked on Diamondbacks, Locked on Padres crossover. Javier Reyes just made a pick. Josh Bell to the Miami Marlins was the number three pick. Now in my number four pick, Miller Thomas back on the board. I think I'm going to have to go with another New York Mets trade, another player that they traded mm-hmm. away, the other half yeah. of that old-ass rotation, Max Scherzer. I know he's not having okay. a Max mm-hmm. Scherzer-level deal, but he... He just this too big of a name value of all the guys that got traded, like Justin Verlander. If you just yeah. have to rank in terms of mm-hmm. a casual baseball fan, I don't know who got moved. Yeah, you have to rank the power, uh, power rank the names. It's Justin Verlander, it's Max Scherzer, one A, one B, however you want to rank it. He's been one of the best pitchers of the generation. I don't have to go through Max Scherzer's um resume here because we all know it. And this year with the Mets hasn't exactly been elite, but still double digit strikeouts per nine. Still overall good command, good control, still eating innings, been overall healthy this year. Has he been the elite Max Scherzer that we saw the last few years? No, but considering the Rangers with having arguably the best offense in baseball, you lost Jacob deGrom, but you still have Nathan Navaldi, Martin Perez, John Gray. You added another rotation starter that I'm not going to mention right now in case you want to draft him, um, draft that trade later in this draft but adding max scherzer to that rotation to be like i don't know it could be your number two or your number three starter maybe your number four starter with how your rotation shakes up so i love the move by the rangers i love the rangers getting aggressive and also who did they give up in that deal they gave up then they give up the younger brother ronald acuna i just thought i just thought that was a fun trade overall for the new york mets to get back the younger brother ronald acuna that'll just be something fun mets fans could convince themselves can turn into something one day and maybe it will if you could get the next acuna star that would be a really just fun narrative and storyline to see play out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, it's also one of those trades where I do think Scherzer is it's, it finally happened. This was a worry of mine when they first signed him where I was just like, I mean, it's smart that he baked in the third year in there, but very <laughs> clearly like the Mets and every team around baseball would have preferred if he had done a two year deal 
for not as much money, right? Being paid 40 million or whatever next year. That's really rough. It's going to be a hit on salary caps and all that stuff um, and payroll and what, what teams are able to do and not do. But I also think if he figures it out for whatever reason, which I'm not expecting, I, I don't think that this is just a, he's weirdly down. I think he genuinely might have like, this might be it. He's giving up way too many home runs. Like he's I 40. think this is it. He's 38. He's pretty old. Yeah. It I mean, he's, pretty, yeah. Like yeah. He's, he's, he's totally a surprise. But would it surprise either you and me if in a playoff series that he has an awesome start to add on to his legend? No. So I think that that's why you got to take this move just because of that factor, even if it's a possibility that Jordan Montgomery ends up being the actual better pitcher for them. I still think that it's a. An interesting move. It's it's interesting nonetheless. It's interesting. And a, so. yeah, and a guy like Max Scherzer, like he's a true competitor. So I think putting him in an environment with the Rangers where they're all about the postseason right now, I think it just might take his game to another level. Getting out the New York Mets who are just kind of floundering right now, just being in that different environment, that change of scenery could help him. And aren't the Mets like paying like at least half the salaries for both Justin Verlander and Merch- yeah. Max Scherzer? Like they're putting down it's still decent. I think it's they're paying like two thirds yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know how it works. And only in baseball can you trade away players and still have to pay their contracts very weird who do you got next Avi? i've got oh boy oh nope. boy see i think i have to be mean i think okay. i have to be mean because okay. of all these times i've bit my tongue i haven't been mean to you you know oh. i mean ladies and gentlemen i remember when this folk roasted me this this <laughs> this lad over here um i remember when this guy roasted me for taking all those guys in the Hall of Fame, or what was the draft? The, the the trade deadline draft when we did like the the best trades ever at the deadline, roasted me for that. Absolutely cooked me alive. Go back and look at the podcast Ooh, if you want. That was a good one. That's um, a good pod. Yeah, that was a good one. That was one of my favorites. I'm taking the Tommy Fam trade to the Diamondbacks. Oh, um, okay. to your team. I like That's right. Um, I, like I really like it. He has just been so quietly good this year, <laughs> Tommy Fam. Like this is what I think. To tie it back to my team for a second, this is what the Padres, I think, were getting or thought they were getting. Don't get me wrong. He's not a superstar home run hitter. He's only got 10 on the year. He's still got decent slugging, 127 WRC+. plus. He's been good, and he wasn't very good the past few years. So it's just oddly hilarious that this Mets team that was underperforming in so many ways, that this guy came through in such a big way. Again, like past few seasons, 89 WRC plus last year, 102 with the Padres, 79 with the Padres the year before in the shortened uh, 2020 season, like just not great. Right. And then this year bouncing back in a big way. And he's always been a player that I kind of want to see how he does in the postseason, because one thing about him is that he does not chase. Uh, This has been his calling card for a while. This is why he's still in the league. Not necessarily because he's going to hit you 30 home runs or steal 30 bases or even play great defense. But he does not swing at garbage. And I think that that is a quality bat to add to a D-back team that can um, potentially make a really deep playoff run. And it didn't cost them, I don't think, too much. So I love it. Uh, Again, outside zone swing percentage, I think, over the past few seasons. He's in that, like, not as good as Juan Soto, for example. And certainly not as good as an overall player as Juan Soto. But in terms of that specific thing, swing at pitches outside the zone, very few players are better than that, the Tommy Pham. So I think it was a good trade for them. Javi and I will continue the draft in just a second, but first.
Yeah, like the move a lot for the D-backs. I mean, I love the Thomases and the Jake McCarthy's of the world, but they're not exactly lighting it up. A guy like Tommy Pham, Lords Guriel's also been struggling a little bit since his all-star appearance. So Tommy Pham, he's been crushing it from, um, he's been crushing both lefties and righties this year. Typically, he's more of a lefty killer, but this year he's also been doing pretty well against righties. And I don't know why he's having this resurgent type of season. So hopefully it's not like lightning in a bottle. I know he's been performing pretty well over the last three months. So hopefully he could come in and platoon like the D-backs always do with a righty on lefty matchup. So hopefully he could come in, platoon with the McCarthy's and the Thomases in the outfield and really be a big boost to this D-backs offense going down the stretch because their offense has been a little hit or miss over the last um, month plus. But my only issue with this trade that you just drafted, Javi, it was the second best D-backs trade at the trade deadline because mm-hmm. coming up, That's I'm fair. going to take yeah, I'm going to take the best trade that the D-backs made next in this draft, and that is the Paul Seawall trade mm-hmm. from the Seattle Mariners. Because as a D-backs fan watching this team the last few years, my biggest issue with the D-backs is. They have not been able to close games. This has been arguably the worst closing situation in baseball the last yeah. few years. Mm-hmm. You look at last year, that D-backs team was solid. Mid-70s, I think they could have yeah. borderline been a wildcard team if they just had like mediocre <laughs> ninth inning stuff. Like they could have been like 84 <laughs> wins or something. Just like made me somewhat convinced or maybe to the 2020 season. Like this has been... The biggest issue for this team mm. over the last few years, Mike Hazen has not been able to figure out that ninth inning role. And it's because he's put dudes in there who are just not good and who are washed. The Joaquin Sorias, the Tyler Clippers, the Hector Rondone, the Mark the Sharks, like all oh, the Ian Our Kennedy. guy. <laughs> Your yeah. guy, Mark Our the guy. Sharks. Coming off the all-star appearance, led the league in saves with the Padres, then comes to us and just absolutely <laughs> Now I don't even think he's in Major League Baseball right now. So the D-back said, screw all that. We're going to get someone who's good. Maybe he's not the best closer in baseball, but is he like the ninth best closer? Potentially. Has he been solid the last few years? For sure. Does mm-hmm. he have decent strikeout numbers and good walk rate? Yes, he does. So I think this should hopefully solidify in a, a big area of weakness for the D-backs. And because of that, I'm taking it as the best trade that the D-backs made this trade deadline. Number six overall. Policy. Look, there's always some really good, exciting relievers on the market. And I love it yeah. when teams at least do that, especially when it's a big weakness of theirs. And like you said, with the D-backs, that's been their biggest weakness for a mm-hmm. while now. I forgot. Like, yeah, it's been like, I remember the Ian Kennedy and Joaquin story. Like, they've had problems with closer. And it's it sounds crazy, but it's just like, because I think we're all used to especially if you like play fantasy baseball where we're used to teams at least having a closer, you know what I mean? But the D backs are one of those rare teams that just didn't have that whatsoever. And I mean, I watched some of the Mark Blanton games uh, last season and I, I saw your tweets afterwards. Like, Corey, I think you said something like, I don't want to see Mark Blanton. Pitch another it was tough, like bro. guys, I'm telling you, you need to follow Millard for some of these games, the way he just so politely roasts your favorite players or any player to a crisp is is one of my favorite things ever uh but i think you're right i think that it's a better overall move it's something that they needed more than someone like tommy fam i took tommy fam because it's just cooler to talk about tommy fam uh, a player who's made headlines for not always the best reasons uh <laughs> you know last year coming to yeah. mind with the whole you yeah. know, fantasy football beef um but with paul seawald yeah unequivocally great move i think that He's got so much nasty stuff. And to be honest with you, I'm almost I'm a little surprised that the Mariners parted with him because uh, he's been that good. And that's they have some really talented relievers in that bullpen of theirs. So I'm actually a little bit surprised about it. So good pick, man. Yeah. And they probably got one of the better returns that I've seen on the market. A Rojas, <laughs> a Canzone, a Bliss. They might have gotten a better return than most. And uh, I think when we did that trade deadline draft, 
um, for like the targets when we were drafting the best trade deadline targets. I think I did have Tommy Pham as like my third overall pick or something because he was having such a good season with the New York Mets. So it's cool to see one of my top picks in that draft get sent over to the D-backs. D-backs just killing the deadline. Good job, D-backs. Good job, Mike Hazen. But number seven in this draft, number seven overall, who's up next? Ooh. Oh boy, who's up next? Um, the next one for me, you know me. I've got to go with a meme. And I want to okay. go with a meme that says something about the greater baseball landscape um, and something that I love ranting about. You know this about me, um, about teams that don't try, uh, teams that settle. That. And then they convince their fans to just wait on the farm players. The farm players come up and are fine. Some of them great. And then they never spend when they need to. And then they sell those best players and they restart it over and over again. And I think that this is one of the symptoms uh, of this is that you also don't even try at the deadline. And for me, this team had the ability to shut me up for not spending on starting pitching in the offseason. They could have had like Michael Waka or Nate Evaldi just bring in some experienced starter in there. They're one of the best teams in baseball this year, at least in terms of the standings. And they could have redeemed the fact that they didn't do any starting pitching. And instead, they did not. And that is the Orioles acquiring Jack Flaherty from the St. Louis Cardinals. My first meme pick. Look, I got love for Jack Flaherty. He's been very good before. You know, heading into 2020, he was like a top. Hey, I remember drafting him in like the second round of fantasy because he was a top level prospect. You know, the year before that, 2.75 ERA. Year before that, 3.34. Like, he looked like he was one of the, the a rising ace for an organization that often gives us you know rising aces every now and then and a smart organization like the cardinals it was like all right he's here but he is so he, i think he's damaged goods at this point and it makes me sad because i like jack flurry i like watching him pitch especially when he was you know in his prime which i know that sounds funny but he's not old he's only 27 um but you know and you know to just be totally candid like we happen to see the world uh myself and jack flaherty politically the same way so that's nice i'm just being honest just being honest uh it's not the biggest thing but that is you know so i, I root for the guy I, I root for the guy so you know but for and also i just root for players in general that are hurt and are super super talented and just seem to lose it because of injury and i think that's what happened with jack flaherty and for the orioles who are also a team not exactly known for developing starting pitching millard i don't know if you knew this yeah. They're not the best at developing starting pitching, the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, go look up Jake Arrieta's comments on that. Um, so and so for them to come out this deadline, be leading their division, and go acquire a guy who might just be damaged goods, who was good once upon a time, that's not an organization I trust to fix starting pitching. There's so many other starters they could have gotten out there and gotten. And I just think it says a lot that they were unwilling to deal from their massive farm system yet again. I'm just saying, I think they're going to get smoked in the playoffs. Whoever they play, they don't have enough starting pitching. Bullpen's great. It's really, really good. It's kept them in games this year. And the offense is also great. But I think they're going to get smoked, and I think they're going to re restart the cycle. I need to see a move that shows me that your organization is going to start trying before I get excited. Um, I'm happy for the Orioles fans. They've been bad for long enough that at the very minimum, I'm just happy that they're having a good season. But in terms of amounting to winning and winning it all and sustained success, this move reminds me of why they're the Orioles and that they're just never going to, you know, fully either go in or spend money, whatever way you want to phrase it. It's just it's such an Orioles move, man. 
Yeah, I do like the upside with Jack Flaherty, kind of rolling True. the dice on him. But it just seems like they're probably committed to building whatever core that they currently have, not deviating, not deviating away from it and just seeing what they have. Maybe they're kind of like the Oklahoma, Oklahoma, let me get this right, Oklahoma City Thunder, where they have all these prospects and young players. And you got to see which ones are good, which ones are going to be the building blocks. And then once you figure out, okay, that guy's good, but I don't see a future within our own team then we could trade those pieces off for other weaknesses on your roster so maybe we will see the orioles start trading off some of those pieces mm-hmm. within the organization and in the next couple of years once those guys start to develop once you start getting those log jams with your position players and your pitchers and say you know what that guy's a building block because of his talent because of his intangibles etc cetera, etc cetera. and then maybe they could start divvying up their roster that way because i do agree this orioles team like the last couple of years we looked at it, it's like they just made they just got a little bit more aggressive at the deadline. They could have made some major noise um, once they got to the postseason. But I don't mind a team like that who's already one of the better teams in the American League, already has a pretty talented farm system. I don't mind them just going with an upside roll of the dice play, I guess. But eventually, like you say, I do want to see them get a little bit more aggressive and actually be all in, pot committed to try and win a World Series because Baltimore is not a small market team and they have a very rich history and people love playing in front of that fan base. One yeah. of the best races in major league baseball so Baltimore they used to spend yeah. <laughs> they used to spend once upon a time i don't know what happened i mean i know what happened but you know it's crazy it just stopped and the one time they did develop a pitcher like john means he immediately undergoes tommy john surgery after like two seasons so sorry oh, Orioles, oh, man that one yeah. hurts a little bit that's it for this edition of the locked on dimebacks podcast come back tomorrow for more dimebacks news coverage insight part two with javier reyes where we wrap up the draft and talk about some honorable mention trades also we'll recap the series against san francisco giants and discuss the state of the d-backs thank you for making locked on dying back to first listen every day if you do listen every day put hashtag everydayer in the comment section on youtube don't forget to catch every d-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the serious xm app and search up diamondbacks and as always stay safe stay healthy doses